Something spiritual is the spirit is eternal. God is spirit. The spirit of God is when eternality touches down into temporality. What is eternal or immortal touches down into what is mortal or temporary by definition. And so the truest thing about you is that you were created to live upward by loving God. We're all on a journey of faith. It doesn't matter what our spiritual life looks like at this moment. The fact that Pastor Daniel wants us to know is that we are all on a path. In today's message, Pastor Daniel will share that all of our faith is related to one thing, how we perceive God. As followers of Jesus, we know that his immense love for us has saved us from the death we deserve as sinful humans. That love needs to be the core of all that we do. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in 1 John chapter 4 with part one of his message, Live Upward by Loving God. No matter how you grew up, no matter how much money you have or don't have, no matter how much education you have or don't have, the reality is, is that every single one of us right now, as you hear this, is on a journey of faith. And everyone's faith journey is different, right? Everyone has a different set of variables in their faith journey. I remember for me, my faith journey really got rolling when I was in college. I remember when I was a freshman in college, so uh, this was a long time ago now. I had a bunch of friends who were spiritual, quote unquote. And it became like, you know, how it goes when someone, one of your friends in your group gets spiritual, that everyone's super spiritual, you know? Because it's like the me monster. It's like, well, you're spiritual. I'm even more spiritual than you, you know? You have this whole thing that goes on. And so everyone was spiritual. And so kind of being the personality that I have and the way that I was raised, I'm like, well, okay, all you guys are spiritual. I'm absolutely anti-spiritual. That's what I used to say to my friends. They'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, we're spiritual. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, you know? And I was kind of against it because I thought it was like kind of hokey that everyone was being spiritual. And what happened when I started doing that was I remember in my heart and in my mind, I started thinking to myself, I said, you know, I don't even know anything about spirituality at all. Because I grew up in a really loving family, but very kind of devoid of any talk about God or anything like that. And so I remember like having these thoughts and I remember I was taking a philosophy class and I was taking a religion class at college all at the same time. And I'm anti-spiritual, you know, so I'm super confused and I'm hearing all this stuff. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I wonder if there is a God, like it was a strange thought for a 19 year old mind. Like, I wonder like, is God real? Is God just, you know, a human conception that we just kind of come up with to figure out how we're going to navigate this life that we're living in and all the things that go on that we can't control? And I'm having, you know, I got a philosophy professor and he's saying one set of things and I have a religions of the Western world professor who was actually a PhD and a pastor, but he didn't even really believe in Jesus. Like I think his whole class was to get us not to believe in Jesus, which was ironic because I didn't believe in Jesus anyway. He made me start thinking more about Jesus because of his not wanting me to believe in Jesus, which is strange. But 
that began a journey. And what's beautiful is that journey in my life still continues today. My faith journey is not finished. My faith journey is in process because I'm here today and our lives are a building upon what happened yesterday. Like who you are as a person is not finished. You are building upon all these decisions and life experiences that you've had. And every single day is a new day to build afresh on whatever it is that your life is. And that's one of the things that I think is so fascinating about life. There's an old saying, how many of you heard the saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? How many of you believe that to be absolutely false? Listen, if you're alive, today's the day to learn and grow, right? But I want to share something with you today that no matter what your faith journey is, and even if you don't believe what I'm going to tell you in a moment, I want to tell you that what I'm going to tell you is the absolute truest thing about your faith journey. That literally, what I'm going to say, no matter where you are today, this is the absolutely truest thing about you and your journey. And that's this, that you and I, we live upward by loving God. We live upward by loving God. See, it's all about this upward, inward, and outward, right? Upward is God, inward is yourself, and then outward is into the world. Now, here's the thing. Your faith journey has very little to do with outward initially, and it doesn't have a lot to do with inward. Your faith journey has to do with God. So there's no such thing as a spirituality or a faith journey that does not include God in it. Because if you think about what something spiritual is, the spirit is eternal. God is spirit. The spirit of God is when eternality touches down into temporality. What is eternal or immortal touches down into what is mortal or temporary. By definition. And so the truest thing about you is that you were created to live upward by loving God. Now, where do I get this from? Of course, I get it from Jesus. The theme of this series, Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 to 38, which is a quotation of Deuteronomy 6, 5, where they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And Mark's gospel says, with all your strength, this is the first and great commandment. I call this living upward, right? Because the key to life is about God and you. And everything about your life is actually lived out from this upward relationship. God's love for you, that you return to God, and then everything else, how you feel about yourself and how you feel about everybody and everything around you is actually driven by God. Your beliefs about who God is or who God isn't. Your beliefs about what God is interested in. Or if you say, well, I don't believe there's a God, that is gonna drive the way that you view yourself and the way that you view other people. If you believe that God is angry, that's going to view the way you see yourself and the way you see other people. If you see God as loving, then you're going to view yourself and other people that way. If you think that there is no God and all that exists is the survival of the fittest, that's going to change the way you view yourself and the way you view other people. See, the upward access, the upward dimension of life is going to drive everything about the way you value yourself and the way you value other people, the way you treat yourself, the way you treat other people. And that's why I think the greatest battleground in the day and age we live is who is God? Now, if you've been around Crossroads a lot, we, in talking about things, oftentimes we'll talk about Jesus instead of the generic word for God. And the reason we do that is because I meet people every day who say, well, I don't believe in God 
or they say, I do believe in God. And I always ask the same question, which God do you not believe in or do you believe in? Because statistically, almost 90% of the globe believes in God. But the question is, who's the God that you believe in or who's the God that you don't believe in? Like, I love it when I meet someone who would consider themselves an atheist. There's probably some of you right now who are here and it's like, that's me. I always say when someone says, well, I'm an atheist, which means ah in the Latin or in the Greek, it's a negative prefix. So ah means no, and then theist means God, because theos is the Greek word for God. So someone who is an agnostic, a means no, gnosis means knowledge, means I have no knowledge of what it is, so I'm not saying there's no God, but I don't really know, right? Apathetic, anybody know, anyone know what apathy is? Ah means no, pathos means passion. So someone who's apathetic is someone who's passionless, right? We can do this all day. You can impress your friends, you know, you know the word, ah, uh-huh, the prefix? It means no. And so when I meet someone who's an atheist, they say, well, I don't believe in God. I say, well, which God don't you believe in? Well, I don't believe that God is angry at everybody and wants to smite everybody and send everyone to hell. I'm like, yeah, I don't believe in that God either. And I'm like, and I'm a Christian. So we don't believe in the same God. And that really messes people up when you start doing that stuff with them. Because they don't know what to do with that. You're like, I don't believe in that God either. Let me tell you about the God who I do believe in. Right? And I start to explain them. I believe in the God who sent Jesus on a rescue mission to redeem all of us who are messed up. And you're messed up? Yes, I'm messed up too. Yeah, we're all messed up. That's why we need Jesus. And they're like, well, I don't believe in Jesus. Now I'm like, now we're getting somewhere. Now, why don't you believe in Jesus? And they say, well, I don't believe that he was really a historical figure. I'm like, well, his, you know, actually history is not on your side. You know, and he says, listen, you start explaining, like, you know, what would make you believe in Jesus? I mean, it's like eyewitness accounts good enough for you? You know, it's not good enough for you. Well, it's good enough for the court of law. So, you know, start to unpack all these things with people. But everybody has a belief about God. And whatever someone's belief about God is drives who you are and how you see yourself and how you treat other people. So when Jesus, they asked him what the greatest thing is, he said, look, you need to love the Lord your God with all that you are. And I want to unpack that today. Because to me, everybody is living upward. And everything that everyone does in regards to upward living is going to impact every other part of their life. And for me, I always say that we live upward by loving God. Because Jesus, who we are following, if you would say, I'm a Christian, that means that you follow Jesus. Like, you don't just check Jesus in the survey box of your census paperwork every 10 years or whatever. Jesus is the person who are literally saying, I am following that guy, right? And Jesus said that the most important thing is that you and I, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And so I call this living upward, and we do it by loving God. But how do we do this? So I want you to open up in your Bibles, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 4, I'm going to be taking verses 7 to 21. So I literally want you to open up your Bibles. But I want you to open your Bible because I'm going to be reading a number of passages here. And I want you to be able to read along. 1 John's pretty easy to find. Of course, if you have a smart device, because they're smart, they can find 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21 for you if you just type it in. So I want you to open that up. If you're new to the Bible, 1 John is towards the very end of your Bible. The last book in your Bible is the book of Revelation. Then before that, you have a couple one-chapter books. You have the book of Jude, and then 3 John, 2 John, and guess what happens? 3, 2, and then 1 John. There you go. So it's right towards the end of your Bible. 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read you this whole passage, and then I'm going to break it apart for you. Look what it says. 1 John 4, picking up in verse 7. 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent the son as savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Verse 20, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Now, I don't know about you. That's a powerful section of scripture. And there's a lot in this section. What I want to do is I want to, pull out some ideas out of this long text. And I mean, really, if we were going to give this text the proper treatment, it would probably take me a whole sermon series just to do these 13 verses to really tease out all the unique dynamics. So I just want to give you some some big ideas. Now, first, what you need to know here is that when it comes to loving God or living upward, that God started it. Like the relationship that you get to have with God, God initiated, God started. I always think of my kids. I love my kids, Obadiah and Maranatha and Annabelle. Whenever there's like a little ruckus going on, which is always, you know, it's always like when you're stopping some fray in your home, it's like, well, he started it or she started. Anybody, you guys know what I'm talking about? The blame game? It started back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve and the serpent. Everyone's blaming each other, you know, for what's going on. Now, if you want to know about your relationship with God, God started it, right? The blame is all the Lord's. And I've said that with my tongue firmly implanted in my cheek. See, God started the relationship that you get to have with him. How do I know? I got all these verses here. Look at what it says here in verse 9. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, verse 10. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And if that's not enough, go right down to verse 19. We love him, why? Because 
He first loved us. Now I want you to grab your pen. I want you to circle verse 19 in your neighbor's Bible. Go ahead. Grab it. Circle it. Underline it. For those of you who are looking for a good tattoo idea, tattoo that verse on you. Even better than tattooing it with ink on your arm, let the Spirit of God give you a heart tattoo. That you love God because God first loved you. Now, this is mind-blowing to me. Because what this says is that us, our ability to live upward, God is initiating and sustaining that because not only do we love God because he first loved us, but we get to continue to love God. Why? Because God continually loves us. And if you doubt that in any way, remember what I read to you, verses 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. Now, think about that. This is saying that God's love has been manifested or revealed towards us. How is God's love manifested and revealed? That God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So what this means is that real life, truly spiritual life, whatever your faith journey is, you are designed to walk in the manifestation of God's love, his own son, and then we live through Christ every single day. So what happens is when you or I are to put our faith and trust in Jesus, Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, takes up residence in our lives, and then the Spirit of God lets us move through this world in Christ, not on our own. Where God, not only does he say, hey God, I'm going to give you the wheel of my car. God's like, I'm going to give you a whole new car. And my spirit's going to be the chauffeur. And you don't even have to decide your destination because I know where I'm taking you. See, the Christian life is not, I live my life and I hope that Jesus is involved. The truly biblical Christian life is that we live and move and have our being in Christ and our lives are found there. In verse 10, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. See, what this means is that God not only initiated and preempted this relationship, but God is the one who sustains it every single day by the presence of his Holy Spirit. And again, in these verses, verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Because he has given us what? His spirit. What I love about the Lord is that God doesn't ask us to do anything that he does not intend to make sure that we can accomplish. See, God's not like a teacher who says to you, listen, you're going to take an exam. Good luck. Doesn't tell you what's on it. Doesn't tell you what he wants. Just says, man, listen, I'm going to give you some questions and hopefully you're going to get the right answer. No, God says, look, what I want is I want you to love me with the totality of who you are. In every circumstances, in every single situation, that's what I want from you. And he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send my son Jesus. He's going to die on a cross to forgive you of your sins. And when you say yes to him, I'm going to place my Holy Spirit within you. And guess what? Jesus and the Spirit are going to be the ones who broker my love to you. And all I want you to do is respond to it. Just respond to it. Do you ever have those days when you're kind of in a grumpy mood? No, you guys never do because you're good Christian people. All the rest of us. It's like you have these moments where you're kind of grumpy. But you ever notice when you're kind of grumpy and someone isn't grumpy? Right? Now, in the beginning, and we're going to be honest here because we do this here at Crossroads. We like to be real about this. When you're in a bad mood and someone's in a good mood, first you want to slap them in the head. That's the first thing you want to do. Right? Like you're kind of like, will you stop smiling right now? 
right? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay, everybody, good, right? But what happens is, is if that person is continually still not letting your bad moment become their bad moment, at some point, your moment lightens up, doesn't it? Yeah. It's powerful that that happens, isn't it? See, and what that means, if you take that simple kind of crude, not really crude, but realistic example of of our lives, and you relate it to your relationship with God, there are times when you and I are fickle in our love for God. Like, God is loving on you all the time. Never stops. Never is like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of tired of them right now. It's like, he's always loving on you. And sometimes we're kind of like, ah, uh, you know, I don't really know about this whole thing right now. Or, Lord, I know I should, you know, love you right now. But I really don't right now. You know, you have all these things that go on. But God is so consistent in his love, isn't he? Like, the Lord is never, like, giving up on that. And what happens is, is that if you simply stop rebelling against it or pushing against that love, but you allow God's love to now begin to mediate your own feelings. Now all of a sudden you realize that you are in the ultimate situation of love. See, when we start talking about loving relationships, of course, for many of us, we've gotten radically hurt by people. Like all we know is loving relationships that are not faithful, that are not abiding, that are not self-sacrificial, that are selfish. See, every human relationship that you have is broken in some way, even in the best situations. You might have a spouse who you're like, man, they are a saint, but they really ain't because they need Jesus, and Jesus makes them a saint, you know? You could have the most patient, kind dad, but he still needs to get saved, right? And so what happens is, is that on the horizontal level, every relationship is a little bit messed up. But there's this one relationship, that vertical, that upward relationship where God's love never fails. It never gives up. It's always and forever abiding. And that's why this upward relationship changes everything. Because God never backs off on his love for us. What's amazing, and this is what it says in Jeremiah 31 verse 3. It says, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Jesus is real. We all need God. Each one of us is sinful by nature, no matter how good we are or even try to be. Pastor Daniel told us in today's message that our relationship upward with our Creator is something that needs to be part of our everyday living. God is the one who can redeem us from our sins through the blood of Jesus. Without him, we'll never have a healthy self-worth or be able to effectively love the world around us. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, 
Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will share an important and potentially life-changing truth with us. God's love for us has never and will never change. He loved us before we came to the earth and will continue after we're gone. Not only that, but God is drawing us to himself with each new day. He's waiting to show us why his love is better than anything we find here on earth. Are you ready to come to him? You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Upward, Inward, Outward. Until then, may God bless.